Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Well, welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. We have a very special guest today, our friend John Mitchell, who we have referenced probably every other podcast since we started. So John, I'd like to talk to you about your copyright infringement while I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) We we try to give credit where credit is due, right? When we can. Um, That's probably better than I, I probably stole everything from somebody too, so... Lots of ideas have been inspired by you. So again, thank you for being here, Marcus. Thank you for being here. Always. (laughs) And John, just in case any of our listeners don't know who you are yet, will you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? Sure. Um, Man, I'm excited to be here. I am John Mitchell. I have been um, a part of a lot of different things in my life, all the way from um, I have started in ministry. Um, I, uh, I went to seminary, became a preacher, um, did ministry for quite a long time. I, I probably talk a little bit about it today, even some of the things, since we're going to talk about failures today. Um, <laughs> I can't talk about failures without talking about my time in ministry. Um, but, uh, but then had some big life changes, ended up working um, with a top secret clearance for the Navy for a while. Um, They trained me to do video production so that I could communicate to people on ships without flying out. And I did what most good contractors do, got all of my education for free at the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California, lived there for a while, and then I went and started my own business. (laughs) So um, I had my own video production company till from 2002 till about 2014 when I sold it to Rootworks. Rootworks um, is an accounting um, membership organization, for those of you who don't know. Um, and I became sort of the chaplain of Rootworks um, somehow. And I, I think that's probably the best topic. Um, over the years, my job has turned into an opportunity for me to get to help people love their jobs, um, help companies create a better place to work, um, and as a byproduct, a better way to live. Um, and in the meantime, get a chance to talk about even spiritual life things all the way down to um, how we treat each other at work and outside of work. So now my job is a lot of podcasts. Um, I think I think I'm doing three podcasts right now. I'm hosting three different podcasts. So it feels good to be on one instead of hosting one. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to learn some things from from you, Rachel, on this. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of public speaking. Um, I am a keynote speaker in both the accounting profession as well as healthcare. I've got a niche in healthcare, um, and I still do some faith-based organizations and nonprofit kind of speaking too. So that's kind of the gist of it. It feels like I microwaved my life in the last 20 years in about three minutes. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And you didn't touch on yet, but I know you will. Uh, three really important people in your life uh, that help on this journey with you. So go ahead and share about them yeah. as well. Yeah, the, the most important part of my life um, are, my, are the three humans that mean the most to me. 
um, my wife, Risha, who works in an accounting firm here in Bloomington, Indiana, where I, where I live in a log home on 40 acres of land. And, um, and my son, Reese, who will be 15 July 1st, um, and just teaches me stuff every day. And my daughter, London, who is 17, going on 33, I believe. She is a better human than I am. Um, volleyball player, uh, volleyball teacher right now and in the summer, and then it wants to go pre-med. So I'm just hanging on. Um, but I am deeply grateful for the human beings in my life and trying to just take that gratitude and um, bring awareness to anything in your life that feels like it should um, and bring some optimism to people. So my kids and my, my wife, and I guess I have to throw my dog in there. Um, uh, she is part of the family, whether I like it or not. Um, we have a German short hair pointer that brings a lot of joy and a lot of frustration as well. I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Marcus, do you want to yeah. give a little background of how we came to know John? Yeah. Um, we were a, we are a part of RootWorks, um, so that's where we came to know John. So we've been a part of RootWorks, that community, for about 10 years, almost a decade now. Um, and John is a really big part of that community and a big part of our story and our firm getting better and paying attention to a lot of the things that John, quote-unquote, preaches about uh, with his chaplain role. And so that's really um, getting to know John over the last decade, I would say, and then even more so the last three years as I've had a chance to work closer with John and his team and the uh, the team at RootWorks and wear a little bit of a consulting hat, obviously help with some of the events that John is a part of as well. And John's taken me under his wing and been a mentor and a friend, and I'll forever be grateful um, to him for that. And I think that's the other thing we just we love helping others. We love uh, accountants and we love what they bring yeah. and how they're wired. And so I think there was just that connection um, from the very beginning with John and so many others on that side. And I think uh, that's what drives us to get up every morning. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get too far into the the podcast and the topic of failure, which we're going to go with resilience on that. So we don't have to make it sound so, like uh, so scary. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into that, John, you have given thousands of people, I don't, hundreds of thousands of people, I don't even know how many, um, advice about loving your job, about living a better life, about enjoying the things around you and noticing the things around you. But what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Such a great question. You know, the, the interesting thing about it is we don't really know it's good advice until later, right? So I'm sure there have been hundreds of people in my life who have given me great advice that want in one ear and out the other. Um, and so for anybody who's listening to this who said, oh, I gave you better advice than that, you probably did, but it's almost like you have to go through something awful or something hard in your life um, that all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what they meant, you know? And so I have, I have three or four, but the one that sticks out the most, um, I was going through a really hard time in my life. Um, I was going through a divorce. I was married for about 
a little less than two years, my high school sweetheart, we were both very immature, um, equal problems with, with the marriage. Um, and I was, I was talking about her a lot um, during the divorce. I was saying some pretty awful things, some of them true, probably most of them not completely. And a good friend of mine who was about 20 years older than me had been through a divorce and was kind of mentoring me through. And he said, you know, one thing you're going to learn in your life, and the sooner the better, is that people are neither all good or all bad. And if you start ascribing one of those things to anybody in your life, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be wrong. And... I realized in that moment, that's what I was doing to, at, you know, at that point, my ex-wife, um, I was trying to categorize her as a bad thing. And at the same time, when I did that, I was categorizing myself as a good thing. And in reality, the advice was so well taken, and now I've applied it to so many things in my life, and I literally think about it regularly. To me, good advice is one of those things that doesn't just sound good. It's like you can't get it out of your head, um, and this is the thing that I can't get out of my head. Literally yesterday, I'm on the golf course. I accidentally hit a ball to the right. doesn't happen very often. No, I hit it all the time to the right. <laughs> hit it to the right, bounced once, hit the guy's golf cart, and I so I said, I'm sorry. And I just got cussed up inside, up one side and down the other, you know. And, you know, I, like this guy's never hit a bad shot. And it, it was completely an accident. It was obvious what was happening. And my mind immediately went to what a jerk, what a mean person, what a, and I remember that this habit that, that my friend had started in me that, no, he's not. In fact, this is the bad side of him. And I have it too. And it doesn't make me necessarily think of it any different in the moment, but it takes that angst away from the, from the encounter. It takes that moment where I may say something or do something really dumb in a response to me believing that I'm the good guy and he's the bad guy. Um, so it's, it's a piece of advice that I think about all the time. To me, that's what makes a great piece of advice, something that seems to get stuck in your head. And so I've applied it, you know, I've had, had it, talked about it with my kids in fact to the point where we went and saw Hamilton did you see Hamilton the musical we did yeah so I took my kids to see it it was one of those things where your kid your kids were probably around the same age when the musical came out it was like the D, the, the CD and the, the soundtrack was so good the kids knew the soundtrack before the musical so they they knew all the music and I just decided I'm going to take them we went to Chicago and we saw it and at the end I asked them what'd you guys learn what'd you hear and both of them talked about the fact that Aaron Burr, Alexander Hamilton, they're neither good nor bad. They're both. And it's like, and, and that's the theme of our, our, our relationship at, at the Mitchells, at the cabin, is like, don't paint yourself as the good guy and don't paint anyone else as the bad guy because you're both and so are they. And that gives you that moment of perspective. I think it is the single most important piece of advice anyone's ever given me in that I can't get it out of my head. And it's affected my life and the lives of my kids as well. Yeah, no, that's so good, man. Um, you think back to growing up, and I don't know, you're uh, a little bit our senior, not much. But you think about... That's nice of you. Um, 
the shows we used to watch. The good guys wore the white yeah. hat. The bad guys wore the black hat. And that's not yeah. true in life, right? You know, it's you can't identify who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, and what perspective they have or, you know, what, what part of their life they're living out right now. So I think that's that's truly good to think about. It's in the stories we tell, right? Our it's in it's in how we tell stories there's a there's a Darth Vader and there's a Luke Skywalker in every story and it's okay because it's it's compelling to us for there to be a good guy and a bad guy but in in reality it's not the way life works and you know we're both people from faith background and church it's easy for us to do this it's easy for us to say oh we're right they're wrong we're good they're bad this is we're this they're that this is where we get off the rails with the way that we take care of each other and the way we live our lives is when we start to believe we're the ones with the white hat. Yeah. Um, and the truth is the hats are all gray, man. And we're all on the same side. Yeah. That reminds me of a conversation that you and I had in Bloomington not too long ago. And it's, you know, we were frustrated with something I'm sure. And, um, you know, probably <laughs> somebody. Right. And I think you had said that person doesn't wake up trying to make your life harder uh, than it needs to yeah. be. So everybody's just worried about themselves at the end of the day. Like that's yeah. boiling it down to the truest of true there. And everybody's just trying to get through their own day. And yeah, yeah. sure. They're going to be good to some people. They're going to be bad to others. And yeah, yeah you just kind of have to roll with the punches. So that guy on the golf course didn't mean, I mean, he wasn't looking for the person to cuss up and down. He also wasn't looking for a golf ball to nearly take him out either. So, uh, you know, you know I, what's funny is, I, so here's the end of that story. I'm sitting, I, I walk through the clubhouse at the end of the day to go to the restroom and he's sitting at the bar and I walked up to the bar and I said, um, put his tab on my number. And he turned around, and he shook my hand and I said, I am really working on that, that, bad hit to, to the right like my slice is getting worse and I'm so sorry you had to be the one who paid the price for my bad swing today and he smiled and he laughed and we shook hands and we talked and it's not that I'm the bigger man I, the truth is I, I hit a stupid shot I wasn't very nice in the moment either and but in the end it just it, there's this moment like hey we're both bad golfers man <laughs> like we're we're both struggling through life and the golf course in the same way um, and th that's just where, to me, it, that's the best way to live your life because it, it, it's so difficult to wake up in the morning and hate. It's so exhausting to, to play the, the good guy all the time and to have to be the hero of every story is just exhausting. And it's putting things on us that aren't true and aren't fair um, and causes this anxiety in us that it just isn't real. Yeah. Well, that was a great podcast episode. Like, thanks for thanks for being here. <laughs> and this and this is why we value our friendship with you so much. We'll just let you let you keep going. Whatever you want to talk no, about. Uh, I we, love being with you guys. <laughs> we really, I feel like Marcus and I have shared uh, about some of the difficulties and some of the struggles. So we haven't kept it secret about things that we've tried and have not worked uh, within the business yeah. within our family, our marriage, anything, we're kind of open, mostly because we don't want people to struggle silently through the same things mm. we've struggled through. Now that we are yeah. getting more mature or older, as our kids like to say, uh, we have lived some life. And so we have survived all of those things uh, to this point. And so really wanted to talk through um, some of the ways 
that we've seen failures, but then been resilient to those that we have been mm. the comeback kids, I guess, from yeah. some of those things. And I think most recently, what we've shared about is trying new things in our own business, trying to take ourselves out of the things that are, I would say more urgent, they need response times quickly. And so they kind mm. of tie us into the business where it's harder to take time off and really unplug and disconnect because that prospect call may come in and somebody needs to respond to that. An auto email, mm. yes, goes out, but also, you know, within 24 hours, they need like a live person, real interaction to make that connection with them. And so we tried that we tried to fill that position outside of the two of us and for many many reasons mostly on us that didn't work out and so we kind of had to pivot and like what do we do next and so just in that wanted to really talk with you about how do you come back how do you take the next step how do you not just kind of bury your head and quit give up yeah you know, it reminds me of it reminds me of the the kinds of things we say to our kids that then we don't actually pay attention to like you're not going to quit you know I, if you're you guys have dealt with this too i'm sure where y your child wants to play a sport they get in and realize oh conditioning week is terrible and this is not what i signed up for and as a parent you say the same thing right this is this is not something that's a choice. You made this choice to begin this thing and you're going to see it through. You can quit when you're done, but you're going to see it through. But when it comes to us, we don't pay attention to that same thing. We, we, we begin to feel like, and it's just an instinct that if something's going wrong, it must be broken. If something's going wrong, we must need to bounce against it and go the other direction. And the funny thing is we all know that's not true. I mean, in, in the stories that we tell, you know, I, I love I love the thought that all of the failures in my life, when I saw the podcast, you were going to ask me about my failures. I started thinking back to my failures and laughing because the truth is most of them are really funny now. And the failures make the best part of the story. I think about the camping trip that I tried to take my son on. It was I was going to teach him to camp. It rained, we had some bad food, we ended up both throwing up in a pouring down rain. Now, at the time, it was the worst thing in the world. Now, it's hilarious. And we sit around the campfires and we tell stories about the time that things were awful. In the moment, it feels like this is the worst thing, but in the, it, later, in retrospect, it's the best part of the story. And if, if somehow, as a leader, if somehow Marcus and Rachel can bring that perspective to the firm, now you're leading. And it's, it's about making sure that what your team understands is, is what, what is the win here? What is the win? What, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to create a new product 
that is the best product in the world? Or are we just trying to serve our customers better? Because if we're trying to serve our customers better, we're going to get into this product and go, well, that stinks. It didn't work really well. We're not going to see that as a failure. We're going to see that as another stepping stone, another thing to eliminate from the list where we move towards making our customers better. And I, I think when it comes to resilience, for me, I can only speak personally. And I can, I can speak for my kids because that's how you do this, right? You experiment with your kids. I, I, the resilience to me all comes from perspective. If I can see the big picture, if I can see from the very beginning before the problem comes in, if I can tell Reese, hey, our, our goal on this camping trip is not to be these expert campers. It's to have a great weekend and do something new. Well, guess what? In that way, it was a really successful camping trip because it was fun, it was new. Later, we'll see how funny it was and we'll talk about it. I think if you can, if you can in the beginning, set the expectation for what the win is, and the win isn't this Pollyanna way of seeing the world where nothing ever goes wrong, but then in the middle of it saying, guys, remember the win, and at the end of it, maybe when things broke a little bit, going back and go, that's okay because this product or this thing wasn't the win anyway. There was something bigger, and really the best stories come from when something bad happens and we turn it around. Th those are the stories we tell. The other stories are boring, including ours. And I think that's, um, that's what you remember, obviously. You remember the failures. Uh, it's kind of hard to yeah. think back to the successful camping trips. Like, you know, you just don't remember those. You remember the ones no. that stick out in your mind and that forced you to do something a little bit different and have a better experience the next time. You don't remember yeah. the good golf shots. You remember the ones that almost take somebody out. And yeah. You know, so I think that's just part of life. And then that's the other piece that connects with others, whether it's team members, other peers that you have in the in, you know industry or in life, or even clients or patients, whatever your business is. I think that's what people want to hear because everyone's going to have failures and that's what makes you human. And that's what makes you able to connect with someone on a deeper relationship and really go you know, go further with whatever, yeah. whatever is building, I guess you could say. You know, the NBA finals are going on right now. Um, it's funny. I'm not an NBA fan at all until the finals. Um, and now I'm watching, you know, I've been watching Reese and I snuggle up and watch it every night together. And, um, you know, it, it just now the finals have started. So um, the Boston Celtics lost, you know, game seven. And at the end, commentator says you know how does this affect your relationships and Jason Tatum says if you win you're a champion if you lose you're a brother and man it gave me cold chills and it went really fast then they were like well how'd you play defense in the second half you know it was like nobody cared but I was like oh my gosh winning makes us champions but losing makes us co-journey together like we we are in this together it hurts it's painful and we're going to get better and we're going to get stronger but we we share this common pain that we that allows us to become closer that allows us to see each other differently and resilience is born out of relationship in that point and now you've got a 
company. Now you've got a culture, a thing that is growing and lives outside of your products. It lives outside of your business. And it's something that I think we all desire deeply. And it can only come from the broken things. Those are the things that make us brothers. That's great. So in the moment when it's still new, right? And you're still licking the wounds and fighting the temptation of fear and the temptation of, I don't want to fail again. I don't want to hurt this way again, or I don't want to hurt other people. I feel like in our case, right? Because humans were involved and people were involved and that makes it really hard. What is, what is the story that you tell? What are the things that you do to take that next step, even though there's fear underlying? Well, when it's, it's easy to become Jiminy Cricket and say cheesy things in those moments if you aren't in the middle of them. So to me, this is a, this is a great lesson for leaders too. If you isolate yourself from the pain that comes from a failure, so you go live in an ivory, ivory palace, you go tell people what to do, and then when it fails, you stay in the ivory palace, then you will be, you will be seen as someone who is not part of the, the brothers the that connection and you will also end up saying really stupid things um you know this is why when we go to a funeral of of somebody that we don't know very well we end up saying something really stupid because we don't know we we aren't there we aren't in that feeling when you choose to to pay the same consequences or pay consequences that the rest of the people in your organization are dealing with because of a failure you end up realizing there's nothing to say. We just, we just be, right? Like at the hardest times in your marriage, at the hardest times in your life with your kids or, or with your best friend, the best thing you can do is be and be present. And the worst thing you can do is say something cheesy that makes people realize that, that this is even worse than, <laughs> you know, than the ideal. But what in those moments, it's that, it's that calm, that changes everything. And to me, I've spent a lot of time around Marcus. You know, one of the things that Marcus is so good at is when things get hard, when things get loud, and I don't mean like audibly loud, but like when life gets loud, when something falls apart, we're at an event, and all of a sudden we realize the agenda's wrong and people are showing up early or whatever, there's a tendency in me to get frantic and to get escalated. Something in Marcus does the opposite and it becomes the calming presence in the room. Not that he's going to start telling stories or trying to make people feel better about it. And also not that he's going to join the panic, but that there's just this presence to me, this is modern leadership to be the one in the room that brings presence that, that says we're living now. We're not living in the future where everybody's mad at us and we're not living in the past where we made a stupid mistake. We're living right now. Let's deal with this right now. And I think in those moments where failure is in our face, where we're paying the consequences of a, of a failed attempt at something, the best leaders be. And if you can't, if you haven't set up the kind of leadership style and the kind of relationship-based leadership that allows you to be part of the people that are hurting in that moment, you can't lead. You can't help. 
you're in an ivory palace telling people things that they will roll their eyes at. But when you live with them, when you care about them, when you do end up going to their own personal failures or their own personal hardships, in those moments, that's when we, we are at our best. And then afterwards, you can leverage those. This is, this is what resilience is. It's leveraging those moments to make us better, to move us forward. And that's obviously leadership too. But if you didn't go through it with them, you have no credibility to help them move to what's next. So for me, man, I'm preaching. I, I didn't mean to do that. This is your podcast. <laughs> but I, I really think that the best thing you can do for, for getting to, to creating resilience inside of your organization, your family, your relationships, you personally, is to invest deeply in the people that are closest to you and that will most be impacted by your failures because then you will commiserate and you will have credibility to leverage that and actually be resilient when it comes time to lead. I love that you shared that and it really just made me think of, so after our most recent uh, failures within positions mm. and people on our team, we were having a retreat that was pre-planned months in advance that was just coming on the tail end of this and we were talking through but what are the things that we need to do what can we cover what can we do what is it that's going to make the most impact to unify our team to make sure that our team can heal to make sure that our team is better and the one thing that we all could agree on was we just need to be together it doesn't matter what we yes. do. It doesn't matter what we talk about. It doesn't matter what's on the agenda. We all just need to physically be in the same room together. And so I love that you said, like, you just need to be, you just need to be present. And that was even something at that time that we had to make an investment to do it. So it was a conscious yeah. choice that, no, this is worth it to be present, physically present with our remote team in order to move past this situation. Such great leadership. And that's an investment. That's an investment that you're making in the future uh, of your leadership, because now you're gonna build the credibility to be able to speak into life, into people, not speaking down to them, not speaking over to them, but speaking amongst them. And we know that's the way we respond to things. Um, that is fantastic leadership. And what's so hard about it for most leaders is most, most leaders are like that type A. I wanna go do something, I wanna go say something, I wanna go read the latest quote from Simon Sinek to my team, I want them to watch the latest Brene Brown YouTube video, whatever it is. And all those things are great, but the best thing you can do is, I, I wrote this on my door because my mom told me this recently. She said as she gets older, she just keeps trying to, to shut up. And I wrote on my door, shut up and be. So that I always want to say something to my kids when they're going through the breakup or whatever it is, you know, and they don't need it. They really, especially in that moment, they don't need it. What they need me to do is shut up and be. And in some ways, it's a relief as a leader. And in other ways, it's like, yeah, but no, no, no. I, give me something to read. Give me something to do. Let me, let me do a PowerPoint presentation because that disconnects me from the pain of this moment. No, 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 the best thing you can do is be a part of it and, and commiserate. And now you've earned this credibility that you are leading from within. Um, that's what you guys do so well. 
Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I think we've talked about it, but one of the words that we've kind of come back to here recently is the term settled. Um, and so hmm. settled is just how you mentioned anxious, like the opposite of anxious. And so how do you give people that safe space to where they are settled and not lazy settled, not I've given up and I'm settling, but it's a place where I'm safe and I can grow at the pace that I want to grow. And there's life and family evolving around me as I grow as a person or grow in my career or whatever that looks like. And so I think that's what we come back to a lot. And, uh, you know, Rachel and I talk about that. I think you and I talk about that. And then we also weave in right now some of the second half of life that we're trying to learn mm-hmm. and navigate and even what it what matters most on the second half of life and moving from work to wisdom and just trying to incorporate how you actually spend time with those that matter most. And they may be your family, they may not. And how do you create spaces where people want to be with you and they value you? And that's ultimately a lot of what we're trying to figure out right now. And there's failures in all of that. And so it's just, how do you, how do you create that? How do you be open? And while you may look like you're stoic or move slow or a calming presence, the, the ducks feet under the water are pedaling thousand times faster than anyone has seen. So what tips or advice could you give someone to know where they fit in that, in that kind of scenario? Mm. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the word trust. I think there's a crisis of trust amongst, well, probably humanity at this point. Um, But where I spend most of my time on a daily basis is trying to build trust in my family and trying to help small businesses build trust amongst their teams and inside their customer base. And I think trust is only built I'm sure people are so annoyed by this, probably even on this podcast already, about how much I relate things back to my family. But everything, if you want to build trust with your kids, if you want to build trust with your spouse, you don't say, trust me. You spend time together. You prove that you're trustworthy. Um, And most leaders and most small businesses, when they're trying to build relationships with their team, they do the equivalent of saying, trust me, you work at a great place. I'm a great person. And they make themselves the hero of the firm. Hey, we're the best firm in town. And I'm, I, people think of me as the leader of their business and whatever. No, if you can figure out how to make your team, elevate your team, um, you build this trust that Marcus is on my side, that that he isn't on Marcus's side. He's not looking to wring me out like a washcloth and get as much as he can out of me as an employee and then push me off the curb. But he wants to elevate me, and he knows that this, this firm gets better when everyone's elevated. Now I've got this trust that you have my best interest at heart. And I'm not sure if this answers your question, but I think the word trust is something we have to pursue. We have to figure out, we have to read books about it, we have to figure out how to build trust and not, not for the reason of making a profitable company, but for the reason of creating a workplace that makes it possible for us to move forward. Because if I don't trust you, I, I don't know why you want me to 
to in incorporate this new piece of software that you're introducing that's going to disrupt my life and my work. Like, why are we doing this? Is it so that you can add an extra 4% to your bottom line at the end of the, or is this going to make our clients experience better and my experience better? I need to trust that you have my best interest in mind. My kids have to do that too. My wife has to do that. If we're going to move forward and we're going to keep getting better as a family and we're going to keep loving each other more and the goal, whatever those goals are in my family, I have to build that trust. And it never comes from saying, trust me. It always comes from proving that you're trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, our journey the last year or so and just the pieces that we've tried to navigate through. I think one, you kind of have to make sure that you do have that navigation, that vision, that mission up to what is that ultimate goal. I think in our yeah. situation, we let too many people, including maybe the bad half of Marcus, grab the wheel at times and try try to drive the bus, uh, whether it was a certain speed or a certain road or change the destination. Um, I, I think those are the pieces that you have to realize as a leader. And your famous quote is change of pace, change of place. And I think that's where you have to allow for that quiet time, which for me is super painful and awkward. And I hate it. I hate being quiet. I hate all the lights off. I, I just don't like it. Rachel, if, if you talk to her anytime, you know that there's a TV in our room that's on every night set to a sleep timer because noise. I don't want quiet. I'm afraid of what will speak to me in quiet times. Mm, that's know? a different podcast, Marcus. Yeah. Let's get on so, another one. So I think that's, that's <laughs> the fear, that not only in myself, but in so many other leaders and being able to pause when you know things aren't going the right way or the right speed. I, I think that's the other piece. You may be going down the right path, but you're too fast and Man. you're losing things along the way. See, this is a great example in this podcast of resilience. You guys went through a time that was really hard. It hurt people, including you and other people. And now you're, you're pinpointing what you're going to do to move forward. You can call that a failure if you want. I call it a success. I really do. I call it a success because the next time you make a decision like this, you're going to go slower. Now, the people that were hurt in the midst of this don't call it a success right now, but someday they'll be sitting around a campfire. I believe this with all my heart, and I know it doesn't, it seems cheesy, but it has happened so many times in my life that I think it is part of the path we have as humans. We'll be sitting around a campfire and we'll be telling the story about 2022, 2023, about the thing we tried that broke and how it hurt and it was weird, but it led us to where we are now. And I, I, I know that sounds insensitive at times to the people who are going through real things right now. And that's why we have to build that trust and let that, let, let us be. But I really do think that if you see success as as learning and getting better and moving forward, you know what you have to do differently. And there's this sense among entrepreneurs, especially that entrepreneurial side of you guys that is so creative and so good and is why so many people have made a living and made a better life through what you guys do. It's because of your entrepreneurial spirit. But what you have to do is temper the part of that entrepreneurial spirit that says, we gotta go right now. This has to happen right now. And I know that technology moves fast. I know that things are, you feel at times like you're gonna be behind. 
but this is your company. This is your life. It is not on someone else's timeline. You don't have to move fast. In fact, I think one of the lessons you learned was the slower, the better. I would rather be behind and be mindful than be ahead and regret. Well, I think the other thing it does is it allows you to look around. And when you look around, you actually see some opportunities, too, that Mm -hmm. are are there um, for the taking. And so I think that's part of it, that you're not giving up by slowing down. You may actually be missing your best opportunity ever and passing it by at a speed where you can't go back. So why don't you just kind of tell us what, what you're doing and what your pace of life looks like right now? Man, it is the thing that has changed most in me in the last, in my life, and it's happened in the last 24 months, where um, I started challenging that part of my brain that says, if you aren't moving, you're dying. And it's just not true. The truth is, you're dying anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the truth is, we're all going the same, I mean, we're also going the same direction. What matters most in the midst of it? And for me, I think one of the things that failure has done in my life, and I could list a pile of them from relationships to business to failed attempts at doing things that really hurt a lot of people. I have now come to a point in my life where I'm like, oh, here's the, here's the point in my life where I want to fail now. Where am I going to fail next? I'm going to limit the places I fail. So I get an opportunity you know, I get an opportunity to go do something in healthcare. It sounds really good. It's lucrative. And I start going, okay, if that fails, who does it hurt? And how, if it's successful, how do I, how much do I care? Or I can go, you can do this thing over here that takes less time, that takes, gives you more of what you want most in your life, which is, you know what I want most in my life is sitting on the back porch watching Reese fish in our pond, yelling at the dog for digging in the yard, and watching, you know, London and having conversations about, that's what I want most is the thing that I can't actually plan for. One of the things that, this is another piece of advice I, I almost thought about sharing with somebody said to me once, there is no such thing as quality time. And what they meant by that was, you know, we used to talk about this. There's quantity time and there's quality time. You don't plan quality time. You don't say six o'clock to seven o'clock is going to be great quality time. It just, it happens in the midst of quantity time. The best parts of your life you don't plan for. And so what I had decided was if that's true, if I believe that there is no such thing as quality time outside of quantity time, that it comes as a byproduct of giving margin in your life, I have to have more margin. And the word that I keep using in my own mind, and this is not, this is probably not for everyone, but for me it is, the phrase is, at all costs. For me, more margin, at all costs. And I always go to financial. Because I am trading my life for money. That's just the truth. I'm at the point in my life where I am trading the time on the back porch watching Reese and being with London and yelling at the dog for another deposit in my bank account. 
And I have to decide whether it's worth it. And in my mind and in my heart, I'm to a point where I'm like, I am going to create margin at all costs. Um, Risha, my wife, is so good at this. This has not ever been a struggle for her. Um, and so it has been better for our relationship, better for our marriage than ever, that all of a sudden John realizes that, <laughs> that this is something that's important to our marriage all along. And our, our, my kids, this is what they want most from you. It's not advice. It's not your money. It's not a nice house. It's just being. It's sitting. It's waiting for the next amazing story. Um, and that's, that's what I realized I was missing. To me, the biggest failure is not, um, never would happen because I started something that didn't work the way I planned. It would be that I actually attained the thing that I thought I wanted and it was successful but it wasn't the thing that was most important in my life. And we don't know, if we're not careful, we move so fast, the TV's on all the time, the noise is everywhere, and if we're not careful, we end up sometime in our life, at the end, usually at the end, realizing I did succeed, but it was at the thing that it wasn't more important than what I really wanted in my life. That's good. <laughs> the older I get, the more I, the more brave I get with these words. I don't use them often, but when I use them, I mean them, and I've decided to say them whether it's appropriate or not. So you can cut this out of the podcast if you want. Noah's got the, but I just, got, got the button. He's got the button ready. Noah, you can cut this right out if you want, but I just love you guys. I do. I love you. I love who you are. I love what you've brought to my life. I love watching you chip away at the things that don't make sense so that you can keep impacting lives. I love the conversation. I love the stories we tell, the, the stories around the campfire that, that, that aren't the moments that we're proud of are still the ones that are my favorite. And I, I so appreciate what you guys are doing. I'm honored to be a guest today and um, I'm a fan. I'm still listening. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and never in a million years did I think that joining an accounting consulting organization would lead to a friendship or the advice that we apply in our everyday lives, not just in our business, not just with our clients, um, with our team who have now become friends and like family, which might be weird. I think people shy away from saying the people that they mm. work with are like family. Um, but I feel like when it comes from a place of authenticity, uh, it's, yeah. it's real. That's really how we feel about the people that we work with. And that is uh, a lot of you that helped mm. lead us in that direction. And so thank you again. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being here with us today and for sharing your words of wisdom with all of our listeners. Yeah. And uh, that that comment goes right back to you, man. Love you. And all that you have done for my life, for my family, for our business, for our marriage. I mean, more than you ever know. And so, um, appreciate your words today. I'm sure that, um, I'm probably going to get kicked off the podcast and it's going to be the Rachel and John show, uh, <laughs> after, after this episode and, uh, ratings and listeners will, uh, be all the better oh, for it. God. Do you have capacity for the fourth podcast, John? You betcha. <laughs> For you guys, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. It is an honor to get to do what I love for a living. And I, I, I don't know how I ended up here. 
but I love what I do. And I, I want everyone to feel what I feel. And that's yeah. part of what drives me to keep helping people love their jobs. Well, it shows, man. And you're a great human and just keep doing what you're doing. John, we'll see you next week, same time, same place, and uh, go from there. Anytime. Anytime. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.